a different perspective, a new insight into life, a nugget of positivity, and a hidden truth, and maybe an amusement for you. Welcome to From My Standpoint, a twice-a-month podcast with your host, Josh C. Jones. Excuse me. Was this thing on? Oh, I guess I should go. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, you're in for another special treat of entertainment, information, education, enlightenment, understanding, and a very cool perspective. Yes, uh, for this episode, I decided to do satire. <laughs> hey, that's right. You heard that right. Satire. You know, like the Babylon Bee, the Onion, CNN, and so many others. So this, uh, statistics and topic information pulled from sources in this episode are factual, though. Uh, some of them may be old because, uh, you know, this was originally written uh, a while ago, or part of it was, uh, that I didn't do a whole lot with. Uh, but the information is factual and real. Uh, they are real, but like most news and, you know, the late night people many confuse with actual journalists and news, I will use that information to make funny and head-scratching points. <laughs> you know, I might be able to actually use this episode as an example to write for the main news broadcast shows, too. Nah. Anyway, since we know common sense is not so common, let me add another disclaimer here. Uh, when I say satire, I mean irony and sarcasm. This is me stepping out of the ordinary uh, for this show and attempting to change things up a bit for this show. Probably just this once and, you know, to try something different and make an episode that might be more entertaining. Anyway, let's get into this one titled Gun Control, The Cure for Lead Poisoning. Hey, I appreciate you tuning in again to From My Standpoint. I'm your host, Josh C. Jones. If this is your first time listening, then I thank you for tuning in. And if it's not, well, thank you for coming back. If you have not yet subscribed, then I encourage you to subscribe to From My Standpoint. It, uh, you can follow me on Facebook at Josh C. Jones Author, on Instagram at Josh C. Jones Author, on Twitter at Author J.C. Jones, or visit the website www.fromtheirstandpoint.com. That's from T-H-E-I-R standpoint.com. And click on my show, From My Standpoint. And if you even slightly liked what you hear in these podcasts, then please rate, review, and share. Gun Control! The Cure for Lead Poisoning! Now, I hope you stay with it through the whole show. As we all know, the topic of gun control is, again, as usual, one of the top debates of the political arena, and it seems like it always is. And it's always brought up, you know, just in time for elections. Kind of like that one group that was given that satirical or satir, sat, how do you, however you say it, satirical label while they were uh, burning buildings in the background. Anyway, this topic is consistently brought up after each and every carefully selected shooting and what we choose to say is a mass shooting. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, random voice of questions, uh, I'll tell you. Well, actually, let me say this first, too. Because I would be remiss if I did not at least mention to you that um, there is no universal definition for a mass shooting, sometimes called a mass murder. Now, the FBI in the 80s defined a mass murder as four or more victims slain in one event in one location. However, the term mass shooting has no universal definition and is widely skewed to portray certain viewpoints or agendas. 
though one can find that uh, more seem to use the loose definition of mass shooting as four or more people killed or wounded, including the gunmen in one event, but even that is not fully accepted as multiple incidences uh, claimed as mass shootings, especially school mass shootings, involved only the gunmen who either committed suicide or uh, discharge of a weapon, whether it's accidental or intentional, from either on school grounds or off school grounds, but the projectile traveled onto school grounds and some actually with no deaths or injuries. Now, I like how we can skew all this, makes it easier to manipulate. Anyway, still the same events occur at each uh, attempt to discuss these mass shootings. One side claims that guns should be further restricted and, if possible, outright banned, thus abolishing the Second Amendment and freeing the American citizens from ever being hurt by these killing machines again, and the other side claims the Constitution and rights of the Second Amendment should not be infringed, as is clearly stated in said amendment, but still, and that we should allow those supporting the Second Amendment and willing to carry a gun to do so as their constitutional right, and in doing so, help secure their safety and the safety of others from the people who would choose to commit these heinous acts of violence. Back and forth, back and forth, we go with the perpetual arguments from each side using the same old data and facts and concerns, but with differential and opinionated results purposefully manufactured to give support to each one. Wah, 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 blah, 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 blah. Anyway, so why am I writing about this and for what purpose? Uh... I think I told you at the beginning, but anyway, I hope to better explain the reasoning for each side and why further gun control and ultimately a gun ban and restriction and abolishment of the Second Amendment is not just important to our safety, but justifiably sound. Now, here is a list of some of the most common arguments I've heard that will be discussed in this episode. Other facts and reasoning will be detailed under these categories. So we'll talk about the public supports it. We'll talk about the Second Amendment is misunderstood and outdated. We'll talk about fully armed versus none to be found. We'll talk about prohibit guns from premises, you know, gun-free zones. We'll talk about the, how the U.S. has the highest death by gun rate. And we'll talk about guns are killing machines. Cool. So let's fire this off. Um, sorry about that. I mean, lock and load. <sighs> Again, I am sorry. Let's pull the trigger on this one. I just, I, I don't know what to say there. They cling to guns or religion, you know, those deplorable working class voters, and sometimes their lingo just gets stuck in my head. Okay, let's try this again. Let us begin. There we go. I got that right this time. All right, so topic number one. There is huge support from the public for gun control. Now, first and foremost, the majority of the population is in favor of gun control. Because every time a politician stands up and speaks for gun control and further regulations on these killing machines, you can read, watch, and listen to numerous newscastings. Not just in support of, but, you know, doing their due diligence as independent, bipartisan, researching, and, and truthful news professionals, pushing the angle for proper accountability and responsibility by targeting those responsible and accountable for these mass shootings and pushing support for more gun control. I mean, you can also hear millions upon millions upon millions of the American population cheering in support of this. <laughs> See, right there, the people cheering right there in my studio. 
Moving on. If we had more regulations and laws controlling who is allowed to own a gun, then there would be less people who should not have a gun carrying one on their person. Namely, those who would go out and commit those horrific acts of violence, the mass shootings. This alone would reduce the number of mass shootings and violence. More laws mean more safety, because laws keep people from criminal activities. We need more laws, more restrictions, and more regulations. Now, these uh, shootings keep occurring not because these people might illegally obtain guns, mm -mm, and not because current laws and regulations are not being enforced, nope, not at all, not because of mental issues with the person, not because of a lack of teaching of moral or ethical base in the, in the value of a human life, not because the person committing this act is evil and would attempt to murder with another weapon if required, not because they choose to perform such an act and should be held accountable themselves. No, no, no. It's because of the pro-gun-loving, outdated, Second Amendment-clinging, NRA, baby-killing organization and certain groups of people are allowing people's rights to own guns to remain protected by that Second Amendment and flood our country with these killing machines. It is a logical and sensible first-step solution to have extensive background checks on everyone. Well, not refugees from the Middle East in certain known terrorist nations or undocumented immigrants, because uh, including the dangerous ones, that would be discriminatory. You know, that might actually, we could call that racist and a violation of not just humanity, but their U.S. constitutional rights as illegals and refugees. I'm talking about the American citizen. Then, then we can discuss and begin the process of restricting, banning such fearful monstrosities. It's obviously simple, and the people agree. Yeah, they agree. If it is illegal for one to possess something, then one will never possess it. And that brings us to topic number two, the Second Amendment. The Second Amendment is outdated. The Second Amendment, much like the Constitution and whole, and our whole founding, is outdated. It was written hundreds of years ago by privileged, white, racist, anti-big government, mostly religious Christians and God-believing zealots. They were fearful and ignorant men. They did not have the understanding and the enlightenment we have today. Men who could not even imagine the type of weapons, the immense government, or the renowned power of our military we have today. These men, they just didn't know. They didn't have the smarts we have today. So we must apply our own knowledge and our own interpretation and our own chosen ways of morals and what we believe is right upon history in order to truly decipher and understand their intent and meaning. The Second Amendment reads, A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. The right to bear arms, not guns, but bear arms after you've hunted the bear with your gun, right? Um, what? I, I think you misheard me, random voice of questions. Anyway, as Thomas Jefferson was quoted as stating, the laws that forbid the carrying of arms disarm only those who are neither inclined nor determined to commit crimes. 
Such laws make things worse for the assaulted and better for the assailants. Right there, right there. One of our founders clearly states, laws forbid arms. That's all you need to know. Laws forbid arms. George Washington, our first president and hero of the Revolutionary War for Independence, was quoted as stating, a free people ought not only be armed, but disciplined. Did he just say only people with arms can be free people? Really random voice of questions? I don't know what to say with that. I, I'm just going to move on. Anyway, as I was saying, a free people ought not only be armed, but disciplined. For what, though? For what? An overreaching, overregulating, fascism-like big government, tyrannical ruling class trying to coerce a population to its demands and agenda and ism? That may have been prominent in the world back in Washington's day, but it is no longer the case today. I mean, any attempt to discuss such notion is nothing more than blatantly false, outdated, fear-mongering to control the ignorant and unenlightened. I mean, that's like far-right talk. Rights, as the founders so clearly stated, were God-given, and when we get rid of God from everything, then they'll realize God is lowercase, and God is our government. Safety comes from government. Privileges are granted by government. And when you understand this, you'll understand the rest of this. The Second Amendment may state clearly that the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, but we all know, even though it was clearly not in the same context, that they were really talking about a militia, not each citizen. History has been crystal clear that no nation needs to defend itself against its own government. Government is created to protect its people from foreign invaders, govern, create rules, control the people, and most importantly, assume personal responsibility and accountability to provide well-being, basic needs, wealth, happiness, security, and saving for all its citizens, you know? Besides, I mean, who needs a militia when you have the powerful American military, right? Certainly not the American citizen or the individual states. For the states are free so long as they remain in America, in the Union, and not obey the laws of the Constitution, but obey our federal government. An example was shown in 2012, right there. See, there was an example. When the federal government sued Arizona over its desire to increase the powers of its local law enforcement to better enforce the federal immigration laws, yet no action was taken when states such as California openly and blatantly announced their refusal to follow such federal immigration laws and became sanctuary places for undocumented immigrants. Besides, I mean, as we all know, there was no unified America back then. Only individual states. So that too is now irrelevant and outdated. I mean, really, if you think about it, what type of weapon would you need to stand up against the uh, U.S. government should they become tyrannical and oppressive? A handgun? An automatic rifle? Nah. And, and I mean, what good would, would an extended mag do? None. You would be standing up against the world's most powerful military force. You have no chance. If life is really as important as those pro-lifers say it is, then the best and most reasonable and logical solution to survive such a government would be submission. Submission. Just like history has shown in places like Turkey, China, Russia, Germany, Cuba, Venezuela, etc., you would appear to be safe exactly what pro-gun people want to feel, right? And so long as you kneeled and submitted, doing what you were told and speaking what you were told, then you would be alive. And I thought they valued life. Anyway, that brings us to topic number three. 
Having every citizen armed, it would not help, but banning guns could. Imagine waking up in the morning, getting yourself and your family dressed, and then taking your family out for a wonderful day in the city. You visit a museum, a park, and then you end the day at a nice restaurant. Now, imagine the same, except every citizen, every person you encounter is armed with a gun. How safe would you feel for yourself and your family knowing there is a gun strapped to every person? Honestly, the old couple sitting on the bench at the park are armed and possibly senile. Or the waiter at the restaurant, who is also armed, is upset about a rude customer who refused to tip. How safe would that be for people? However, if all guns of every type were banned, then you would not have to worry about the above scenarios. You wouldn't have to worry about being shot, period. And why? Because owning a gun would be illegal. And don't tell me that making something illegal won't stop people from attaining such a thing from using said illegal item. Mm -mm. Any person with common sense would tell you that, that that is true. We all know that uh, bad people do not follow laws and that if someone was intent on performing a heinous act like shooting someone, that no law or restriction could stop them. But what it would do is reduce the number of violent gun crimes. Because if a gun is illegal, then people would not be allowed to own or have one. Guns? Illegal? No one would ever have one. Didn't this work with drugs and theft and murder and child trafficking and all things that the laws banned or made illegal? Of course, random voice of questions. It's simple as that. It works. Banning guns is not new, nor is it bad. Just look at Australia. In 1996, Australia passed a very strict licensing and restriction requirements on owning guns and they actually outlawed certain shotguns and semi-automatic rifles. In fact, they also bought back hundreds of thousands of their citizens' guns and destroyed them. Well, they took any perceived right or reasoning away from the citizen and mandatorily forced them to turn in their guns under the law, but they did pay something for it at least, a little something, and this led to a significant drop in the firearm homicide rate. I mean, you can just look at the chart from... Gun laws and sudden death, did the Australian firearms legislation of 1996 make a difference? By Janine Baker and, I may butcher their name, I'm sorry, but Samara McFedrin. I'll have this up on the uh, show notes there, but um, if you look at that chart, I mean, look at that. It shows a decrease in the firearm homicide rate. Now, just when you look at that chart, though, just ignore the fact that the chart shows the gun homicide rate had already been in decline before then, and ignore that it doesn't include murder and any other type within, you know, strangling, stabbing, anything like that. What this proves, as does the research from other places with strict gun control laws and those that practically ban guns, you know, with the exception of the government and high officials, celebrities, and their private security, if we look at places like Europe, Japan, South Korea, North Korea... It, is that with little to no guns allowed, there are less gun homicide rates. Mm -hmm. Now, I know someone might be saying, so the gun homicide rate fell some, but the actual crime rates have increased, and in a lot of cases, they've dramatically increased. Well, maybe some statistics do prove this to be correct, but I mean, aren't statistics easily skewed? I mean, studies have proven that 9 out of 10 statistics are false, and I have 9 statistics that prove the actual crime rates have decreased because of strict gun laws. And someone else might remark, 
Yeah, but look what has happened to their freedom in Australia now in 2021 and 2022. No, I don't want to look at it. We're not going to look at that. Someone else might ask, what about suicides? Now, ignoring the unchanged to heighten suicide rates in places with strict gun laws by various other means, such as hanging, poisoning, jumping to death, etc., we see a big decrease in the suicide rates by gun. And this proves that restricting gun ownership, if not banning them completely, results in many more lives saved. Think about this logic. Guns are only useful for killing, and as stated previously, we all value life. Therefore, in order to protect human life from prematurely being ended by those who would unjustifiably kill, we must restrict, if not ban, the use and possession of guns. As was stated just a few years ago by a prominent figure, if there's even one life that can be saved, we've got an obligation to try. We must not let our country become a cesspool of guns where every citizen has a gun in their home or on their person, even if it's been used to prevent crime and counter and stop a mass shooter an eye-opening amount of times. And even if, you know, back in World War II, that's the reason Japan didn't attack because they said there'd be a rifle behind every bush. Ignore all that. We must fight against the domestic terrorist and baby-killing organization that is the NRA and those that support it. The NRA and anyone who supports the right to keep and bear arms has shown they do not care for our children and do not wish to save the children's lives by banning guns and ending these. We'll use the skewed definition that is relevant to our discussion here of mass shootings. For as long as they don't acknowledge the true evil, which is the gun, the NRA, and the Second Amendment, and wise up to what is meant by true responsibility and accountability by acknowledging and taking the responsibility and accountability for these evil murderers' personal choices and actions, then they are just as bad as the gun itself. And no, when I'm talking about saving a life, especially a child's life, I am not talking about protecting a baby's life in the womb. Even though there is no constitutional right for such, we must not infringe on a woman's right to choose. Abortion is justified by the mother's choice. Whatever it may be, to not accept responsibility or accountability of the unwanted burden and have the abortion prematurely ending a human child's life, it's a woman's choice. Well, not the woman being aborted, or the man who thinks he's a woman. He still has no choice in the matter. You know what I mean. Remember, guns take many more lives, especially our kids' lives, than the women empowering right to choose an abortion. These are completely different things. One is the intentional or unintentional taking of a life by a gun, and the other is an intentional taking of a life by the woman's empowering right to choose. Simple as that. And that leads us to topic number four. Gun-free zones are necessary and work. Until America wises up and we enact strict gun control, if we can't ultimately ban all guns, that is, the best we can do to protect our children and the innocent is to create more gun-free zones. With the rules in place and the signs posted stating that such a location or building is a gun-free zone, we will be able to ease the, the citizen's mind and protect them from being shot by a gun. With these signs in place, no person will be able to bring a gun on the premises thus ending any ill-fated reasoning for self-defense and all gun-related deaths on that premises. Just as making drugs illegal and not allowed in places has stopped people from bringing such items into those premises, so will the gun-free zone signs. If you think about it, not one so-called mass shooting has ever occurred in a gun-free zone. 
Isn't that a lie? Random voice of questions. Would you stop butting in? I mean, who's going to actually do their own research? Come on, man. And why would these gun-free zones work? Simple. Because guns are not allowed in those areas. And that takes us to topic number five. Topic number five. America has the highest murder-slash-death rate than any other country. Well, those that keep records, and of which we choose to compare America to anyway, if we compare the death rates of America to other countries, usually it's Europe, Australia, Norway, Finland, uh, we find that the U.S. ranks at the top of the list. I have a graph here by uh, Max Fisher from the Washington Post uh, that shows that the U.S. has more gun-related killings than other quote-unquote developed countries. And I need to add a side note here, so please ignore the fact that suicide by gun is also counted in the gun-related killing charts and most gun-related death statistics. Heck, I mean, even the New York Times ran an article titled, Gun Deaths Are Mostly Suicides. The article stated that more than 60% of the people in the U.S. who die from guns die by suicide. In fact, they even stated that there's evidence that news attention around a suicide can lead to more suicides, so... I wonder if that same thing can be true for giving national attention to mass shooters. But as was mentioned previously about statistics, we will just count this one as uh, the 10th one and completely ignore it. Anyway, if we look at the chart, uh, we can see that the United States has more gun-related murders than the quote-unquote developed countries. And, and we compare the U.S. to other developed countries, but, but I mean, some might be asking, why? What about the rest of the world? We do this because we are a developed country. And it doesn't matter that America differs from all the other countries we are compared to in history, geography, size, ethnic diversity, politics, and, you know, other very important areas. All that matters is they are considered developed, and it greatly helps in making our case. What about the third world countries? Um, we don't include third world countries, random voice of questions. Why? Um, we don't include them because in those countries there is usually war, poverty, corrupt governments, and officials creating a vast difference between the haves and have-nots, or what they divide as the have and have-nots. There's drug wars and various other reasons for citizens to be impoverished, depressed, and violent. Those reasons cause them to have a higher murder rate, but are unjust to compare with America. Why? <sighs> Random voice of questions, it's because the U.S. and other developed countries were wealthier and happier and safer, and, you know, thus we should have no excuse for murder or gun violence. In other words, developed countries, uh, we are better and of a higher class than those third world countries and the rest of the world, and therefore we should not be considered in the same thought, which is why we're not put in the same thought when we make these charts and we study these things. Anyway... Also, as that chart showed, but anyway, also let's ignore the fact that these countries have much stricter gun laws that drastically reduce the number of guns per citizen. It is the regulation and restriction that makes them have a lower murder rate by firearm. What matters is not the overall crime rate or murder rate in general. Mm -mm. Ignore the overall crime rate and ignore the overall murder rate. What matters is the lower murder rate by firearm only. Mm-hmm. That's all that matters, is the murder rate by firearm, not the overall murder rate. Now, just, just to be fair, just to be fair here, we will answer a few more concerns, since I know someone else might be asking, why not compare America to other semi-developed countries or the rest of the world? 
So I have a chart here uh, showing the U.S. murder rate compared to other countries based on the uh, UNHDI Human Development Index uh, numbers that could be in, if not close, to being in league with developed countries. But remember, they are typically not included because they are beneath developed countries and they don't work for our um, what we stand for here. Anyway, <clears throat> this chart shows that uh, what we find here is that the U.S. has a much lower murder rate than other countries and America sits just below average. This indicates that the U.S., you know, we are a relatively safe country. But we know this is untrue because of the number of guns per citizen. I mean, think about it. As The Guardian states in an article, based on the small arms survey from 2007, that the U.S. has the highest gun ownership in the world with about 88 guns per every 100 people. In fact, the number two country, Yemen, has only 54.8 guns per every 100 people. And according to this article, with less than 5% of the world's population, the United States is home to roughly 35 to 50% of the world's civilian-owned guns, heavily skewing the global geography of firearms in any relative comparison. I don't know why I put that in there. Just ignore that. It doesn't fit with our stuff. Anyway, with this, many guns, and America surely has the highest murder rate. Yet this report says that the U.S. is relatively low. Hmm. But as we all know, the more guns there are means the more death there is, right? Simple logic, right? Forget the facts. Simple logic there. Why? It's certainly not because of an issue with society or mental illness or lack of discipline or lack of respect or fear-mongering or political power and control or intolerance or lack of moral and ethical foundational base or removal of moral codes from schools in the public square or a lack of personal responsibility and accountability. Because as we all know, it's the gun the NRA, and those that cling to their outdated constitutional rights of the Second Amendment that are responsible. The more guns, the more dangerous life is. Because, topic number six, guns are killing machines. Guns are tools for killing. When a shooting happens, it is the gun that committed the crime. It is the gun that ultimately ended the life. Now, as understood by many, the perpetrator of this of the heinous act is a victim. He's a victim of circumstance such as maybe bullying, hate crime, lack of opportunity for jobs, mental disorders, systemic racism, or his supposed religious, you know, jihad belief. Until we understand what personal responsibility and accountability is, we will never be able to fully understand that it is not the perpetrator's fault. Just as when a drunk driver hits and kills someone else, it is not the alcohol's fault, you know, maybe their way to deal with life, and it is not the vehicle's fault, the tool that was used to do the killing. It is the driver's fault. Like the young man that was arrested for murder um, after his vehicle ran protesters and people down in Charlottesville, and we blamed the person behind the wheel for the killing and not the tool used to do the killing. Why? Because it was his personal accountability and responsibility, not the vehicles, random voice of questions. Otherwise, we would call for a ban on vehicles. And we need that same logic when we discuss guns and mass shootings. So in conclusion, I ask you, I ask that you remember one of the most important logical reasons here. It is not the perpetrator's fault. It is the lack of of strict gun control that allowed the gun to be, in most cases illegally be, in this individual's hands that is to blame. 
The gun was the tool used by a person or group of persons who premeditated or maybe even in the heat of the moment lost their emotion and consciously decided to pull the trigger. This makes the gun and the NRA personally responsible and accountable for the perpetrator's decision and the NRA and the gun the problem. Wait, is the gun the problem? I mean, it was the bullet that killed the person, right? Hmm, maybe we should be banning bullets instead. If we limit the number of bullets or ban them, then the guns would be rendered paperweights. Maybe if we begin with banning magazines on the number of bullets a person can purchase and that a person can have in a gun at one time, then we can move on from there, ban the bullets, ban... Then again, guns get more of an emotional response to help in our agenda. You know what? We're still working on the best manipulation tactics, so just please be patient. And now, what you've all been waiting for, it's the wisdom of Dad Joke. Some people say guns are too easy to get, that instead of teaching responsibility, accountability, morality, and safety classes, or enforcing the laws we already have, thank you prosecutors and great judges and courts who let bad people go, and thank you politicians for pushing for less penalties and making crime legal. I'm winking at you, California. You make our case so much easier by letting bad people prey on the innocent and law-abiding. Anyway, ignoring all that, it's easy especially now that some people have claimed to print one with their 3D printer. I say, let's use our brains here, and let us be logical about this. We need to first take care of all those deadly cannon printers. This has been From My Standpoint, a podcast to find a nugget of positivity and a hidden truth encouraging and enlightening insight, entertaining a new perspective, and providing an amusement for you. We hope you were entertained, encouraged, enlightened, and enjoyed the show.